Well, good morning again, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Revelation 22 as we uh, finish this morning our series in the book of Revelation. We went a little bit longer than I was originally planning, but just felt like we need to slow down here a little bit, at least for these last two chapters. And one of the reasons is, I, and as I said last week, um, I've heard more sermons on hell than I have on heaven. And uh, I, I, you're fine. Thank you. Um, I'm finding it a little bit difficult to, t- to preach on heaven. And I think part of that is because we have it pretty good. I mean, if we're talking about eternal life, most of us have lost somebody and we look forward to seeing them or, or maybe we're sick and we're ready for that season to be over. We, we get that. But most of us um, have lived a pretty safe, even somewhat, uh, I would say, blessed existence. If you own a home here in Hillsboro or the area, your home gained value last year, just about almost guaranteed, you know? Actually, even if you have a used car, somehow it gained value this year. Um, That's never happened before. Um, You know, we're doing okay. Uh, I know a few of you here have experienced war and the atrocities of that, but most of you haven't. Uh, because we don't, we don't really have wars on our soil. On 9-11, and we're celebrating 20 years, not celebrating, but remembering 20 years here. Um, Pearl Harbor, not a lot of other battles in recent history on our soil. So just for a moment, picture yourself, you're an Israelite. And you're living sometime before King David and Solomon, or any time after King David and Solomon. You live pretty much an existence that is dependent on just your farming or ranching. You're very much dependent on a good weather year to feed your family. From time to time, neighboring countries, nations come in and raid yours. It's just it's what happened during those times. Even during King David, it says, when the kings go off to war. Sounds really noble, but it's when the kings went and raided the other kings. And stole from them and took their stuff and people. And I mean, it was at any point in time, somebody could just come in and raid your farm. And you're back to ground zero. That's just existence in Israel. What about the, the churches during the time that this was written? They may not be allowed to sell their goods in the market because they're followers of Jesus. At any time, a Roman soldier could knock on their door and demand that they feed them, house them. They could take things from them, and there's nothing you could do. The idea of eternal security sounds a a little bit different to that group. It came to mind one time when a friend of mine, uh, one of my mentors, uh, years and years and years ago, he uh, he pastored in uh, Arizona, not Frank, another guy, and and, uh, he said, Dave, he said, man, pastoring in Arizona is hard. He said, during the winter, heaven doesn't interest them. And during the summer, hell doesn't scare them. <laughs> and the idea that you, you preach about heaven is like, oh, this is a place that's going to be different. It's going to be. And for us, for most of us, we, we do okay. And so there's a fear that we're missing really what this passage is meant to offer. And I said this last week, it's hope. It's hope. And so let's dig in here this week, and I just want you to put yourself in a different 
setting where tomorrow isn't secure for you. That you are living maybe in fear of others coming in and attacking. That you're, you're living in a different situation like really most of the world during this time. Really, almost, almost everybody else, right? So chapter 22, and I, I, we kind of outlined this. There was um, this uh, new heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem, and new temple, and now new Eden in the first five verses. And then we kind of have this, uh, verses six and all, it's, it's the end of a letter where they just throw everything else in, okay? And there's actually quite a bit of struggle in interpreting these because there are a bunch of bullet points and it's really hard to tell who's speaking because Jesus is speaking, John is speaking, and there's an angel speaking. And as you're reading it, and all the commentators say, well, I think it's this person speaking, and so it's, I'm not gonna, just, we're just going to look at what they're saying. I'm not going to attribute everything. Some of them are clear. Jesus says, I'm coming, right? But other ones aren't. So here we go. Uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. Verse 1, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its street, uh, sorry, tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, at night, uh, and night will be no more. There will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be the light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servant what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brother, the prophets, your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexual immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practice falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things. For the churches, I am the root of the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride says, say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this book. 
He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. What a great chapter. Um, There's a lot in there. Let me just point out a few things. When I was reading this, one of the, the verses that just really stood out to me was verse 17, where the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who, who desires to take the water without price, and, and implied there, come. And so here's, here's the call to come to this chapter. And so we're going to look at come to the river, come to the word, come receive a blessing, and then come, Lord Jesus. So come to the river. Uh, this is the beginning, verse 1, and the angel showed me the river of the water of life. And so we have this river in heaven. And again, what I wanted you to see last week is this is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. This is new revelation. And so this comes from Ezekiel chapter 47. I'm just going to turn there and read a few verses. You can listen. You can turn there real quick if you want, but I'll probably beat you because I marked it. He says in Ezekiel chapter 47, then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me by the north gate, and he led me around outside the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out. And then it gets bigger and bigger. And in verses 3 and uh, through 5, he's measuring it. And then kind of at the end of, of verse 5, he says, And the, he, led me back, uh, he led me back to the bank of the river. And I went back and I saw on the bank of the river very many trees. And on one side and on the other, and he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Arba and enters into the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And whenever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there and the water of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engadi to Englem, and, and he will place for, uh, a spreading of the nets, and its fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swarms and its marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And on the banks of both sides of the river, there will, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. And their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. But they will be fresh fruit every month, because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. It, it, it's, just a much more, it's actually much more detailed than what John shows. And, but it's, it's definitely, you can see where John's getting his information from. Not just from the Revelation, but uh, from Ezekiel as well. And so here's the fulfillment of this. Come to the river. What it's saying is there's fresh water. Now, again, picture yourself living in any other period of time in any other place. The access to fresh water is daily needed. Uh, they don't just go to the tap and turn it on. This is, this is a blessing. And uh, it even turns the salt water fresh. That's some pretty powerful fresh water. And it's crystal clear. It's good drinking water. And it brings life to every creature, okay, which is good. It's, it's spreading life. And it brings abundance of food. There's all these trees producing fruit that, that produces fruit each month. Okay, did you catch that? It's a different kind of tree. Now, in Revelation, 
This is even more exciting. In Revelation, it tells us that the fruit is different each month. Okay, we don't have those trees. That's pretty exciting. Could you imagine? What month is it? It's peach month. Oh, cool. We're getting apples from the tree next month. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool tree. But it, the idea is that there's abundance and variety. And I was reading this, and uh, I won't say, but somebody in, in our family, my mom, likes salt quite a bit. And um, it's just funny here that it just, and by the way, there's still salt. Okay, like, don't worry, we're going to have, because you're thinking all this water is like, well, I kind of like a little salt on my fish. Don't worry, there's salt there too. It brings all kinds of trees, fresh fruit every month. And Ezekiel says that the leaves bring healing, and John tells us, and, and the implication is the leaves bring healing to Israel. John says, no, it's to the nations. Beautiful picture here. So come to the river. And then second, there's the tree of life. Where, where does this come from? Eden. All this on the tree. And just so you know, for you Bible scholars, you have the tree of life in Genesis, Proverbs, and Revelation. That's it. And so here it is. It appears, this tree of life. Now, there is a, there's an interpretive issue, and I got caught up in it, and it really doesn't matter. But here it is anyway. Um, it just depends on which translation you're reading. Either the river is going through the middle of the street with the trees on either side. Okay, that's how the ESV reads. The King James reads more like there's uh, trees in the middle, the road, and the river. I think this is actually the better translation. And I, I can't believe how much time I spent on this before I stopped and went, it doesn't matter, Dave. Okay, there's a road, a river, and some trees. There you go. Okay, so it doesn't matter. But, but you have this picture of this river that's coming from the throne of God. It's bringing life. It's flowing right through the city, out into the countryside, all the way to the sea. It is impacting everything. And it is bringing life and abundance of fish. Okay, I'm not a big fish person, so I'm like, I'm assuming there's meat too. But you, you get the idea. There's this abundance of food and fruit, and, and it's just this beautiful picture. And then we're brought into this idea of what we're really talking about here is, is the garden, right? We've got the tree, we've got the river, uh, we've, got, we've got the fruit, we've got all this stuff. And, and just so you know, like when we picture the garden, uh, we're kind of, we're in that awkward stage of remembering all these different paintings of Adam and Eve standing, you know, just in the right way behind a tree so nothing is revealed in their, their nakedness. And it's just kind of this awkwardness. But Eden, what good definition for Eden, Eden, Eden simply means garden of delight. Garden of delight. You know, uh, there's, I mean, when you're really in, a good garden. It really grabs your soul. Now, my wife and I went this week uh, just to uh, Dahlia's, I think. Did I get that right? Those of you on Facebook, thank you. And um, so we went out there and we were walking around and I, you know, preaching on Revelation. I said, there's just so many different Dahlia's out there. And they look so radically different. And I said, can you just imagine for a minute how many different kinds of flowers there's going to be in heaven? I mean, this is just the variety of, and not all of them, I'm sure, 
of just one kind of flower. I mean, just can you imagine how beautiful? Now, when you're in a, in a garden, when, when all the, the fruit is fresh, it's pretty incredible. Garden of delight. And so it says here in the text that this garden of delight is a place with God. And so he says in verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And then it says, and his servants will worship him. And again, here's where we get the bad idea of the eternal choir, but what we're saying here is that everybody in God's kingdom has a purpose. And, and here's, and I'm very, and I'm, I'm so glad that I've, I've read more things that agree with this. Uh, the the idea uh, that we're just going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp for eternity is such a poor view of heaven. We will work. I, I strongly believe that we will work in heaven. We'll have a purpose. We'll, we'll have a thing. That, now, we won't have weeds and we won't have, you know, people coming and stealing it. I mean, it'll be different. But you'll, and, and worship is a form of work. It's doing what God's designed you to do for the glory of God. Will we sit around the campfire and sing songs? Yes. Will we enjoy a good meal with some friends? Yes. We'll, we'll experiencing so many different things, and, and that's what this, this book is trying to point to us. You're going to have a purpose. And then there's this protection, and for us, maybe, maybe we don't feel that as much, but he says there's going to be nothing accursed. Now, we're going to come back to that in a minute, but what it's saying is you're protected from evil. And so we say, come to the river, come to the tree, come to the garden, and and come to heaven, which which really what what we're saying here is life. And so taking all these visual uh, symbols, what is it trying to say to us? And I worded in your notes, and please, I'm being tongue-in-cheek here, okay? What do we get? What's in it for me, Dave? Okay, no. Here's what we get to experience with God in eternity. First of all, abundant life. That's what the river is picturing. Abundant life. And I'm sure that, that we, could, we could point this out in a different way. Like I'm, I'm sure John could have said, Look, here's some things that you're going to experience. But it would have been cultural. It would have been time sensitive. It's just... It's just giving us an overarching abundance. Take, for instance, streets of gold. We've all you know, talked about that, and you know, you've, got, you've got, I mean, the pavement in heaven is gold. Okay? But think about this. Most of the people that lived when this was written didn't even have paved roads. Maybe one paved road through the middle of the main city. Now, I, this came to light to me one time when we were on a missions trip in a different country, and we had built a church. I was in high school, and we, we'd gone, and we'd built this church, and we had some cement left over. And my youth pastor gets this bright idea. He said, let's make a nice patio in front of this church so people can stand and, and talk about the week, you know. And we're, yeah, you know, pour more cement. And, I was, and we poured, <laughs> poured a patio in front of this church. Most of the people in this village didn't have cement floors. We were pouring cement on the ground like a bunch of dumb white people and offending them. 
We take so many things for granted. This is, there's gold, and this is the abundance that it's talking about. You even have streets. And even the streets are made of gold. We're just supposed to just see the, the overabundance of it. Second, it's eternal life, right? There's, the tree is there. That's what that represents. And let me just say, if the life wasn't abundant, the eternal part isn't that exciting. If it wasn't safe, if it wasn't free from all the trouble, but that's the picture. It's abundant, and then it's eternal. And what we see here with these leaves, and I don't know why exactly the leaves are being used for this, but the, the leaves in Ezekiel and in Revelation mean uh, complete healing. Complete healing. And specifically, there's, there's talk of the removal of the curse. And so the theologians want to get all wrapped up. Which curse are we talking about? Um, because you could really look at it in three different ways. Uh, the first curse being the curse of the garden, right? You've got the weeds and the pain in childbirth and, you know, all that. So that, that's one curse. Uh, the other curse is Israel. It was an apostate, apostate nation. And God says many times, like, in fact, I'm reading through Ezekiel uh, right now, early on, and it's just talking about, Ezekiel's just saying, like, you, all these things that came on you because you were, you were um, disobedient, and so all these curses are coming on you. And there's just the curse of sin. And so you say, well, which curse is being removed? Yes. Okay? And some of the scholars really want to nitpick here, but yes, that's, it's all being removed here. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. So here we see security. There's an open gate. Why is the gate open? Because nobody's coming in to steal anything. It's secure. And I, most of us don't, you know, I'm sure most of us lock our doors. Most of us check them. Okay, unless you live out there in the country far enough. Okay, but the idea of security, what a, what a beautiful picture. But what I've said before, and I, I want to just emphasize just one more time, that's not the most glorious thing in heaven. The most glorious thing in heaven is the relationship that we have with God. That He is present. That we are, we are living in perfect harmony with the God who created us. So, come to the river. Second, uh, come to the Word. And he says, uh, in verse 6, And he said to me, The words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Here, here this whole thing is this prophecy, and it's true. And so, we're coming to this book and to the whole of Scripture. Why? Because it's trustworthy. Look, this is very basic, okay? But it's right here in the text. And he, he could have just said trustworthy. But he doesn't say just trustworthy. Why is it trustworthy? Because it's true. He's making a point there. Okay? Yeah, you know, don't worry. This is, this is good stuff. It's trustworthy. Why is it true? Because it's absolutely true. Come to God's Word. It's trustworthy. And it's true. And one of the things he points out in these bullet points is the other reason why you need to come to the Word 
is because it's time sensitive. And behold, I am coming soon, verse 7. Verse 11, let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Why? Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense. This is time-sensitive material. We come to the word because it's to be obeyed. He who keeps these words of these prophecies. Now, it's interesting in here, there's uh, the angel speaking, Jesus is speaking, and uh, the angel has, I think, three commands in here. And uh, I didn't have room for them on your notes, so you can just think through this. First of all, the angel says, worship only God, right? John bows down to him. He says, get up. I'm like you. Worship God alone. That's a good reminder. Good reminder to us this morning. Just worship God. And then he says, don't seal up these prophecies. Which you go, well, we're reading it, so obviously he didn't seal it up. But there is something in here. Um, when Daniel gets to the end of his prophecies, the angel says, seal these up, because the time hasn't come. Now, we're told, don't seal these up. So what, what has come that Revelation is free to share and Daniel was, was secretive or you know, kind of held at bay? Well, the cross. I, I think this is a clear reference to the cross here. The Messiah has come. Okay, what? Back up. In the garden. Why are they kicked out of the garden? Well, they sinned. Yeah. But then they can't come back in the garden, and there's angels with flaming swords. Lest they get back to the tree of life. Do you want anybody eaten of the tree of life? Because they'll, yeah, they're eternally sinful until the shedding of the blood. Why is it okay now? Because Christ has come. And I would just remind you, and I'm going to say it again, but I'll remind you here and then again later, this is a revelation of Jesus. It's all about him. And there's an interesting verse here, uh, verse 11. Let the evildoer still do evil. That seems like counterintuitive. Shouldn't we tell them to stop? He's saying, look, the evil are, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna get out of this life without people being evil and filthy. Like, I don't care. There's... It's kind of funny, uh, there's a mass exodus out of California and Oregon going to more conservative states. That's fine, if you want to do that, it's great. But you know what? There's evil and filth in those cities as well. They're in all cities. And so, choose righteousness. Worship God only, don't seal up these prophecies. In other words, proclaim Jesus and choose righteousness. And Jesus has... A few saying, Sue, I'm coming soon. Um, I don't love the word recompense. Um, and it just, I like the more King James Version here, just reward. Uh, recompense, there's just one of my favorite Westerns where the hero says something about, I'm coming with my recompense. And it's not a reward um, in that. And so recompense just has a little bit different flavor to me, but it's reward. That's what he's saying. I'm coming with my reward. Um, and then he has this, uh, in verse 13, he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I think this is Jesus speaking here, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. It's a, it's a, it's a statement of, of deity here. Uh, I'm God. And then he has these blessings. So we come to the word because it's trustworthy, it's true, it's time sensitive, it's to be obeyed. And because uh, he says here we can't add or subtract to it. And we use this, this verse all the time in uh, uh, the authority of God's word. We say you can't add to God's word, you can't subtract God's word. Absolutely true. But it's specific to this book as well. 
And I thought, boy, that's really scary because people have added a lot to the book of Revelation. Um, just be careful. And why can't we add or subtract to it? Well, because it's God's word, yes. But think for a minute. If this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, don't add to who he is, don't subtract to who he is. He is true. Um, and then twice in uh, these bullet points, he says, uh, blessed, uh, verse 7 and verse 14. Uh, most commentators will point out that there's seven blessings in Revelation. And I thought this would be a good way to end our series here. Uh, I'm not going to read every verse, but I'm just going to tell you what the seven blessings are. Seven blessings from Revelation. First uh, was in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed are those who read, hear, and keep the words of this prophecy. We talked about that. Man, there's just a blessing in reading Revelation. There's just a blessing in hearing this and keeping it. Um, Second, chapter 14, verse 13, he says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Why? Because their robes have been washed, their names are written in the book of life, and they're going to experience the new heavens and the new earth. They'll be blessed. Blessed is the one who stays awake. He's not just talking about church here. Um, he's talking about the idea, staying awake as you're alert. You're, you understand and you are awake and you, you know, let's just, it says here there's going to be no more night. I, I, it's figurative, I believe. Maybe it's, it's literal as well, but it's at least figurative and bad stuff happens at night. It happens during the day too. But there's a different feeling at 2 a.m. in downtown Portland than 11 a.m. in downtown Portland. And if your car breaks down at 2 a.m. in downtown Portland, you walk a little faster. Okay? You were thankful for cell phones. Remember, remember the days when there was no cell phones? And you had to go to one of those boxes? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And you had to come up with a dime and then a quarter. Okay? And your, your dad made sure you had one of those before you left the house. Right? I mean, you stay awake. You're aware of what's going on. You're awake. You're ready. Blessed are those who live that way. Blessed to those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah, that's a, that's a great blessing. Um. Uh, blessed uh, are those who share in the first resurrection. Uh, we saw that uh, just a few weeks ago. And then in the last two, in 22, to those who keep the words of the prophecy, it's repeated again, uh, probably important. And then the last one in verse 14, I'll read it here. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. And so blessed are those who wash their robes. And we've seen this, this figurative language here, the washing of the robes. It's washed by blood. It's by trusting in Jesus Christ and believing in him. And then the final come in this passage is in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. See, 
here's the interesting, here's one of these things. Is this John speaking or Jesus speaking, right? It's like John testified, wait, no, this is Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. And so the point of Revelation as we've been going through um, is that it's a revelation of Jesus and that uh, the time charts aren't as necessary to me as it may be to some of you. But we are to live with the end in mind. And so, uh, three things. Um, and I'm becoming increasingly aware that uh, I have, and you guys know, and those of you who have been around, I end every sermon with application action. I don't think I've ever ended one without it. And 99.9% of the times, I have three points. So I have six more application actions for you guys. I'm just, it's in my mind. I already have the next three written. But I, I, the point of Revelation is for us to live with the end in mind. And, and here's why. We are faithful now so we can enjoy later. And um, I think that we've kind of mis, um, have misguided this a little bit um, because of the times that we live in. And uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, which teaches a financial class, which I highly recommend. I've been through it. It's, you know, it's good stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to say don't listen to Dave Ramsey, but... I don't agree with everything he said. Okay? Um, and one of his statements is this. Uh, if you live like no one else, and he teaches us you know, to, to not have any debt and to you know, drive an old clunker until you can afford to buy. You know, if you, and he always says, if, you, if we live like no one else, so later we can live like no one else. We're saving so we can really enjoy the later years. Uh, you know, that's very Western American. I'm sorry, but in most cultures, if you were born a sheep herder, you were a sheep herder. And it didn't matter how you lived. And so, if we have a lot now, it means that we sacrifice, we give now more so that we can enjoy heaven even more. And so, um, Get Dave Ramsey's thought out of your head and think of Jim Elliott's. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's how we're supposed to live. We are faithful now so we can enjoy later. And I'd be amiss to, to say if you are listening uh, online or in person and you have not yet washed your robes, You don't get into the wedding supper of the lamb with dirty robes. And every one of us have sinned and dirtied those robes. And that sin separates us from God. But only when we confess our sins and repent and trust Jesus Christ as our Savior will our sins be washed clean and our name written in the book of life. So if you have not yet come to Jesus, I mean, I'll probably repeat this one next week. That's it. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with that application point. And then finally, in Revelation, growing up in the church, and I, I've tried to steer away from this, and I've, I've made jokes about it, and, but, but please understand, here's where I'm coming from. Most of my time in Revelation, growing up in Baptist churches, 
um, was trying to understand the order of events and when the Antichrist was going to be here and where Russia fit in, where China fit in, and I'm just trying to all these, and I've seen literally dozens and dozens and dozens of maps and charts. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. And my challenge to you is just to keep your eyes on Jesus. End times will work itself out. God's in control. But you, church, keep your eyes on Jesus. Look into his face. Look into his word and follow him and worship him alone. Let's pray and then we'll come to the table. If the men want to get up and get ready, we'll come to the table here in just a minute. Father God, thank you um, just for this time, this study, um, for this revelation of you. And God, I pray for Hillsborough First Baptist Church, God, that uh, you would help them to keep their eyes on Jesus. Lord, I, th- I think of so many faithful people here, God, and just pray that you would keep them strong to the end. And God, there's those who are struggling and they're going through life's difficulties, whatever those may be, physical, emotional, um, financial. God, I just pray that you would help them keep their eyes on you. God, I pray that we would, we would be willing to sacrifice, that we'd be willing to give, that we might enjoy eternity with you all the more. And God, I pray that if there's anybody listening, if there's anybody here that has not yet washed their robes, that you would draw them into your kingdom, that you would bring them to a point of repentance. God, we think of the blessings of this book, and I pray them for Hillsborough First Baptist Church and for each person here. But those blessings don't come easy to hear, to keep, to stay awake, to press on. And so, God, we pray that those would be true of us, your church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.